So let's read again from verse one. I'm just getting straight into it. I don't muck around with stories. I'm not as funny as my husband. I just get down to business. Sorry if you wanted jokes. (laughs) Starting at verse one. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshipping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another Spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what has been said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now, before I get into the specific gifts I want to look at today, I just want to draw out and perhaps remind you of a couple of things that have been touched on already. Paul has told us that these spiritual gifts have been given for the common good, for the benefit of that church, not just us, but the whole church. They show that there is great diversity in how God can use us, but it, is, but it all points to the same spirit. Right. Now, in the context of this passage, the church at Corinth had got things a little bit out of whack and were putting more importance on some of the what instead of the who. In their pursuit of pagan gods, they were focused more on the gift than the gift giver or on what the purpose of those gifts might be for. They were glorifying some of the gifts over others without the understanding that in order for the church to flourish and the gospel to be spread, we need a wide range of spiritual gifts. And they aren't even limited to those he has listed here. Imagine for a moment if we all had the gift of teaching, but none of us had the gift of hospitality or mercy. Probably wouldn't feel very welcoming. Or if we all had the gift of worship, but there were no administrators. Nothing would get done, would it, Dave? (laughs) There'd be lots of worship. That'd be great. (laughs) if the band shows up, because they might not have a roster. <laughs> this is what the church in Corinth got, had got stuck on. They were all chasing one or two gifts that they felt were the most important. There was no balance, and, and it was without the centrality of Jesus. So without that, there was no point to any of it. Paul tells, us, tells them and us later in chapters 13 and 14 that, that these gifts without love are no better than a loud noise, a distraction. But the Holy Spirit's intention is that these gifts are used in order to give glory. Start that again. The Holy Spirit's intention is that these gifts are used in order to give glory to God and build His church to point to Christ. As we allow and invite the Holy Spirit to be more present in our lives, then whatever gifts He has graced us with become more evident in us, and we are able to access them. They become part of the overflow in our lives. As we love others, we get to move in these gifts, and the church and the message of Jesus gets louder for all the right reasons. The more access we give the Holy Spirit, the more we understand God's love for us and for others. And this is the place that we then use those gifts from. 
So with all that in mind, I want to follow on from Dave's, message about Dave's messages about encouragement and faith, and I want to talk about the gifts of healing and of miracles. Now, when we talk about healing and miracles, it is really easy to think about that which has already happened, the stories in the Gospels, or that we've heard from previous generations, and we can forget that these are still gifts that are active today. We might even think that these are things that are, are rare occurrences. They're not meant to be part of our everyday. The reality is that healing and miracles are as much of God's heart for his people today as they were in the past. His nature hasn't changed. We are told he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So why would the Holy Spirit's gifts be any more or less available to us? Sure, there are some things we read in the Bible that need to be held in the context of when they were written and who they were written for. But throughout the New Testament, it is clear that this is not the case of the Holy Spirit, his power, and his gifts. Even though we are separated by 2,000 years, give or take, we live in the same period that the early church existed in, right. the time between the resurrection of Christ and his return. Right. There isn't meant to be a full stop, start a new chapter or a book, after the accounts of the church in Acts. We are a continuation of the same story, that same church. We have access to that same Holy Spirit, which was promised to us until Christ's return. For some reason, it can be easier for us to expect to see prophecies, or hear prophecies probably, not see them, (laughs) and see dreams and visions, to see encouragement and the gifts of teaching and apostleship and action, And yet Paul tells us in Corinthians that all of these gifts have a part. They are all part of the diverse body of Christ. Healing and miracles are part of God's plan for today. I'd like for you to turn to me. Turn to me? (laughs) I don't think I've had enough caffeine today. I'd like for you to turn with me to Luke 8. And you can follow it along on the screen. And we're going to pick up halfway through verse 42. Now, as Jesus went with him, him being Jairus, one of the synagogue leaders, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus said. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, the whole crowd is pressed up against you. Like, What are you thinking? Everybody's touching you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out of me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, this story is often talked about in the context of the faith of the woman. And it's really important we don't minimize that. In Mark, it actually gives us a little more detail of how this woman approaches Jesus with a a mixture of both superstition and faith because that was what she'd grown up knowing. And part of Jesus calling her out of the crowd was actually to ensure that she understood that her healing was as a result of the power of God because of her faith, not the superstition that she brought along with her. There is one verse, however, that I do want to highlight where Jesus says in verse 46, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. Now, this was not the first miracle that occurred, had occurred. Jesus had already been healing the sick and performing many miracles up to this point. 
And in fact, this account is actually in the middle of another miracle because he was traveling to Jairus' house where he was about to raise his daughter from the dead. But Jesus calls attention to the fact that he felt the power of God flow through him and into this woman at the moment of her healing. When Jesus was on earth, he was the bearer of the spirit and the power of God. So when someone accessed that power, he knew all about it. Not long after this story, we actually read the account of Jesus sending out his disciples. And in Luke 9, it says this. One day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. And if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust from your feet as, to leave, as you leave to show that you have abandoned these people to, your, to their fate. So they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. The word authority here in the original Greek is exousia, which is actually translated to mean the authority to act on behalf of. When Jesus sent out the twelve, he didn't just send them in their own strength, but by giving them authority to act on behalf of him, they actually went as his proxies. The same word is used in the following chapter when Jesus sends out a further 72 disciples to spread the gospel and perform miracles. The other word used in this passage is power, which in the Greek is the word dunamis. Don't be fooled by the why, it's dunamis. This word is specifically related to miraculous power or the power to perform miracles. And it's actually the same word that is used in 1 Corinthians where it describes the gift of healing and the power to perform miracles. It's also the same power that we see Jesus using throughout the Gospels to heal the sick and raise the dead. The same word again appears in Acts 1, before Jesus ascended to heaven, where he told the disciples to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 8 he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. As a continuation of the same story, the same church that began in Acts, we live under that same commissioning. Jesus promised this church that we will receive dunamis, miraculous power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and we will be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Of all the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives, I believe this is the one that he would have as many of us as possible receive. We can all ask for this gift. There are definitely people who are graced with a greater measure of gift, and you probably have heard of some of them. They have amazing uh, healing ministries. But we can all access the power of God for healings and for miracles. Throughout the gospel, we see that Jesus didn't just teach But alongside his teaching, he performed healings and miracles. As we see the gospel spread in the book of Acts, signs and wonders, healings and miracles were hand in hand with the teachings of Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit in us is the greatest witness to the world. Without the Holy Spirit, I can only access the natural. So anything that I do points to me. With the Holy Spirit, I have access to dunamis, to power that points to Jesus, to God's miraculous power. 
to his saving grace. Young people in the room, the rest of you can listen to, but young people in the room, I really want you to get hold of this. This is not just for those of us that have been around a while and have seen healings and miracles before, but this is for you and your generation. Your friends and family cannot explain away the power of God in you. They cannot reason away healing and miracles. This is why testimony is so important. Healings and signs and wonders are not meant to be limited within the four walls of a church building, but as a testament to his power out in the world. In church, if the Holy Spirit has done something in you during this series, or he's doing something in you, we want to hear about it. You might think that whatever God has done is is quite small and, and insignificant in the grand scheme of things, or it could be something that's actually really huge for you. Either way, it is a testimony to God's power in you, and it could be the key to someone else coming into relationship with Christ. I'm allowing a whole lot of room this morning, so I'm actually just going to invite the team to come back. And as they do, I just want to share a, a story of my niece, Lottie. Now, Lottie was born on the same day as Annalise. And like Annalise, she was a much prayed for baby, so that was back in July. But she actually wasn't due to arrive until last Friday. And my sister, about a month ago, shared this wee update when she was, Lottie had reached eight weeks old. So, in her words, strap yourself in, this is Lottie's story. Born at 9.25pm at 25 plus six weeks gestation due to placental abruption, weighing only 714 grams. Respiratory function was good, and she was placed on CPAP. At 36 hours old, she deteriorated, requiring intubation, so she was on a ventilator. And then she got a pneumothorax, a tear in her lung, which required a drain. She had a first of many blood transfusions. On day three, she had a brain scan, which showed a large brain bleed in both ventricles. This would likely cause long-term deficits and would get worse the longer it bled. There was nothing that they could do to stop the bleeding. We were stunned, but continued to have faith that she would be okay. In fact, they called me and I actually went up and I was allowed into the side room. I wasn't allowed anywhere near NICU, but I was allowed into the side room to pray with them. Day six, she had a follow-up brain scan and miraculously it showed the bleeding had stopped and appeared to be less aggressive than they first thought. Around this time, she was started on feeds that included my milk, and she, which she appeared to tolerate well, and she was slowly weaned off the ventilator and put back on CPAP by day 13. Seven days later, at 20 days old, a follow-up brain scan showed a build-up of fluid in the brain, hydrocephalus. We were now facing brain surgery for a reservoir or shunt if this fluid continued to increase. It did, and she started to decline. Lottie was expected to have brain surgery, and at this stage, she's still only very, very little. And was uh, sorry, she was expected to have brain surgery, but developed a lung infection as re- and was re-intubated onto the ventilator, and surgery was put off. She was put on antibiotics. On day 27, a follow-up brain scan showed a decrease in the fluid on the brain. Another miracle. And over the coming weeks, this continued to drain, and the need for surgery was removed. Lottie was still very sick through this time with her lung infections. It actually turned out to be pneumonia. And an open duct between the lungs and heart that hadn't closed. But like a champ, she battled through and, was, and they eventually healed. 
She was soon strong enough to come off the ventilator and put back on CPAP. From here, she just needed to grow and get stronger. At six weeks old, she had an eye exam that showed retino... I don't know how to say this. Retinopathy? Retinopathy, thank you. Of prematurity developing. Something, again, that could result in blindness requiring laser surgery. But by the grace of God, this also corrected itself. Fast forward to today, so this is still about a month ago. She has a healthy 1,910 grams... She's been weaned down to a number of levels on her CPAP and respiratory support, moved into a small incubator, and is almost ready to transition to an open cot and clothing. This precious miracle has fought one heck of a battle and come out the other side laughing. I've not previously detailed all that she has faced as we didn't want that to be her narrative. However, in doing that, we were also hiding what she had been through and the miracles God has performed on her, whether you believe in this or not. We know this child is a precious and lovely girl, and is going to live an awesome life with a great story to tell. We're so blessed to call her our daughter. Now, since this date, she has continued to thrive. And she's just passed 100 days in NICU yesterday. And they celebrated with cake. Just Ian and Susie, because nobody else could. <laughs> she's nearly 3kg. And very soon, she'll be able to go home with my sister and brother-in-law. But behind this story... There's a whole lot of people who have been praying. Our prayer chain have been actively praying for this little girl. And every, every improvement, every little or big turnaround that Susie mentions here is testament to God's healing power and when we call the prayer chain to specifically pray. The NICU staff have been surprised and confused when scans have shown changes that they didn't expect, that don't normally occur. This is the power of God at work. You know, with a series like this, where our desire is to allow room for the Holy Spirit to move, but where we're also seeking to understand more about who he is and how he works, it can be really easy to lean into theology or head knowledge and the teaching and miss the opportunity to put it into practice. To sit in the space where we say, yeah, I understand this theoretically, and leave it there. But in a moment, we're going to pray for some people, and this is your opportunity to lean into the practical, to invite the Holy Spirit to move. Yeah. Don't just leave it as head knowledge. But before we pray, I, I do just want to mention this. There have been times when I have prayed for people, for healing or other miracles, and I have literally felt the presence of God and the power of God move through me. And then there have been other times when I felt nothing. But what I personally feel is not an indicator of whether or not God's power is at work. I've had people tell me afterwards, hey, God did this when you prayed or, or afterwards. And in all honesty, I've actually been surprised because I didn't feel anything. I hadn't really expected that much had happened because I was basing it on what I felt. But I've learned that sometimes you do feel it and sometimes you don't. Sometimes we see instant results and sometimes it's a process. Sometimes we don't see healing the side of heaven, but God is still our healer. He is still working. He is still our miracle-working God. If you're able, I'd love for you to stand with me. There's a couple of things I want to pray for. And the first of those is, is for anyone who wants to actually receive the gift of healing and the power to perform miracles. Maybe you feel like this is something that God has called you to, but actually you've held back 
you've been a bit nervous around it, it's time to get out of your comfort zone. This gift is one that we need to take out into the world so that as we share the gospel with people, we're also able to pray and believe for their healing, for their miracles. So if this is you, if you are someone who who either wants to get out of your comfort zone or perhaps you actually just want to ask for this gift, for the gift of healing or the gift to perform miracles, can I just get you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray. Awesome. Father, I thank you that you have promised to give us dunamis. And Lord, right now, I ask that your Holy Spirit would impart this gift to every hand that is raised in this place, Lord God. That they would know what it is to be able to pray with faith, to expect you to move, and to see it happen, Lord God. Father, we want to see an increase of the miraculous. We want to see signs and wonders and healing brought to a broken world. And Lord, right now, I just ask that you would would touch every person with their hands raised, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would just rest upon them. Fill them afresh, Lord God. Holy Spirit, come and move. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. The other thing I want to pray for, unsurprisingly, is healing and miracles. Now, we often think that, that, that miracles, well, it's just healing. No, there's other things that people need miracles. They need that power of God to turn situations around. If you're in that space, we're going to make some room. And I want you to bring those things to the front. Where you need healing, bring it to the front. Where you need a miracle, bring it to the front. And we're going to gather around and we're going to pray for you. And perhaps if you're one of those people who have just said, actually, you know what, I want to receive this gift of healing so that I can pray for others, this is your chance to step out of the boat, to step out of your comfort zone and to come and gather around those that are believing for a miracle, to join together as the church, to pray for each other, to see the turnaround. So as the team sings, I just invite you to come. You know, you might need healing for something really little. You might have, I don't know, a broken toe. Or you might need something. You might need a real miracle because it's actually something far greater. God's miraculous power is able to do both. So why don't you come?